We in. Welcome to the Chris and Kyle Show. Spoilers. Devs. Developers, developers, developers. Uh, he's Chris. Hey. I'm Kyle. And this is a show created by one of, if not Chris's favorite creator, Alex Garland. Yeah. I was actually like uh, really excited for this show. I'm fucking really excited to dip into it. Almost more for like, I, I really enjoyed the show, but uh, also because I like found out a fact about one of the actors in the show that I didn't know when I watched it. Which actor? I realized it when I was doing the research for the show. Which actor? I mean, should I get into it now? I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. The thing is, I feel like if I know, if I tell you who the actor is, you're going to immediately know why, like what the, tell what me. I was surprised by. Tell me. Okay. There, do you want, do you just want to get into that? <laughs> All right. Yeah. You, do you that. brought it up. Right, now I'm interested. It. All right. So, uh, one of, uh, the, the male characters in the show is actually played by a female actor. Yes. I did know that. Yes. I didn't know Lyndon that. Lyndon is played by Kay, Kay, uh, Kaylee Spaney. was a girl. Yeah. That is is as a female person in real life. She it was in a male. She character. was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale and Vice. Oh, I have not seen. She was in Vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Vice. Sorry, I haven't seen Bad Times. Yeah, she played a younger version of somebody in Vice. I think. Uh, yeah, she was young. I don't know who Lynn Vincent was, but she was young <laughs> Lynn Vincent. Right. I. But Legit. yeah, it's it's super didn't well know. it's super well done with like makeup and hairstyling and I didn't um, wardrobe and all that stuff. To and her performance have her play a nineteen year old boy. Her performance, boy genius. And it like and it's literally like it's not for a particular purpose. It's literally just like honestly, one of my favorite parts of the show was Lyndon. Lyndon and uh, yeah. what was his name George, the older the older guy mm-hmm. Stuart, not George. Yes, yeah, Stuart. Lyndon and Stuart was one of my favorite parts of the show. Right. That relationship. Yeah, it's a really sweet, really sweet relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed that as well. And just completely did not recognize that that was yeah. a woman the entire yeah. time. Really cool. Props to all involved. Yeah. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, overall thoughts on devs, a.k.a. Deus? <laughs> okay. Uh, I enjoyed, Spoilers! <laughs> I enjoyed a lot about this show. But there were certain parts that I thought were like spine tinglingly bad, uh, like yeah. like nails on a chalkboard bad. There's some stuff. So I think the best part about this show is the direction and the visuals. It's a beautiful show. Right. It's like gorgeous to look at. Okay. I don't even love a lot of the performances because everything is very clearly directed to be flat and very everyone kind of talks like this mm-hmm. all the time and this is the energy that we're going to give every scene yeah this is who we are it makes it really hard to like characters like i didn't really like the lead because she just is kind of a blank slate and it's it makes it even harder because by the end of the show you're supposed to believe she's special in some way but they never really do anything to make you realize that and she isn't like a likable or unique enough character right. to really buy into that so, um, I will say this is the most I've ever felt like Nick Offerman was really acting. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like this is the, like, I wasn't like, oh, it's just Ron Swanson. You know what I mean? Right. This isn't just Nick Offerman this doing a, a Nick Offerman. This is him actually playing a character and he's mm-hmm. doing a good job of it. Right. I thought Nick Offerman was good. 
Um, yeah, but a lot of it was just really flat to me in per- performance-wise. Beautiful-looking show. Interesting idea. I don't think the execution is great because part of it is... Okay, so the, the central core of the show is determinism versus free will mm-hmm. is everything that we do predetermined mm-hmm. and it, it characters are so overly obsessed with proving that it is determined everything is determined that it, that it makes them seem stupid well not even just proving it right but needing believing it. that they know it yeah believing and, that they know and that emotionally needing it to be true yeah in nick offerman's case yeah so there are a few things that like I'll bring up about like Alex Garland's process that like I think in a way it leads to one of the uh, two things that are involved with his process and his directorial style Mm -hmm. that I think uh, I don't know they're sort of double-edged swords in a way Um, the first one is that like he talks about and he, he talked about specifically with devs in an interview about how his creative process is always he writes stuff that it, are idea based. Yeah, he clearly. writes idea centered things and then things grow off of that. So he he'll take an idea like determinism and you know the sort of science behind determinism and quantum computers mm-hmm. and we'll bring up that a little bit later. Um, and the characters that might be surrounding that kind of idea, mm-hmm. right? And on one hand, it does make things very interesting and like intellectually based mm-hmm. and very sophisticated. Um, and it's almost always intriguing, you know, to be like drawn into a story like this uh, when there's the ideas are so profound. Um, but you can sort of, be falling behind with the characters. You know what I mean? And I would be really interested to see like, what would Alex Garland's version of like, okay, I am just in love with this character, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like Alex Garland would never be able to write a, like uh, what's the, what's Brad Pitt's character in once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. The stunt actor. I don't remember his uh, cliff booth, cliff booth. Right. Yeah. Like, like Alex Garland would never be able to like, like a a character that you just absolutely fall in love with. You know what I mean? That is just so, incredibly cool and just breathes in its own environment you know like all of his characters that i've liked that i've liked of alex garland's so far have all been sort of subject to the environment and to the stories themselves donald gleason and ava instead of in ex machina for sure oscar isaac and ex machina is super interesting and it's also because of the actors that he's working also like i think like i love ex machina I don't love Annihilation and I didn't love Devs. I feel like he might be dropping each project. I actually might like Devs more than Annihilation. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch Annihilation. Right. I didn't love Annihilation when I saw it. I, I mean, it was like a little bit too thing, much. I think that I might have actually liked Devs more than you like Devs. And I think I, I yeah. definitely liked Annihilation more than you liked Annihilation. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think, and here is my the, the second factor of Alex Harlan, the way that he directs, is he is very hands-off, doesn't very, like, much believe in the, like, the auteur theory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, like, idea uh, that uh, a, a director is, like, the main author of a film. Um, he believes that, like, especially, like, Americans uh, and, like... He, he thinks it's kind of a pretentious idea and he's just like he's no. Canadian right 
So he is English. English. Yeah, so he's English. Alex Charlin's dead English. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's very much hands-off, and he just is kind of like, I'm just sort of organizing things. I trust everybody, like all of my actors and everyone, like as long as they sort of know the stories, like there's this, these sort of like hills and valleys of who's in charge, but he's like, I'm not the person who's like sitting there like giving you exactly what you need to be doing. Like hmm. he doesn't believe in that very much. It's interesting. And I think, and I keep on bringing up like someone like Quentin Tarantino because Quentin Tarantino is the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is very much like, no, like, I'm not going to let you fuck around with my script. My script is perfect. Mm -hmm. It is a piece of art and you're going to say it this way. Um, and he has a little bit more of an iron fist almost, but like they, they, they stick to his script a little bit more. Noah Baumbach is like that too. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this scene 600 times. David Fincher. Exactly the way it's written. David Fincher is another one that's yeah. like that. And I think that there's something about pulling uh, really good performances out of actors mm -hmm. that comes along with that kind of style if you know what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know if you necessarily have to be I like, don't think you have to. Yeah. But it seems But you need like, something. You need to direct. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need mm -hmm. to give direction. Right. Um, and it seems like the more reserved his movies are and the more that like he's just like we know that Alicia Vikander, Donald Gleason, and, and Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac are, can act their fucking asses. Yeah, they're, off, that's, right? an, that's an incredible trio. Right. I and they bring it in that like Oscar brings it hard in that movie. Uh, so I mean, bringing it back to devs, Sonoya Mizuno, they lead, who is in Ex Machina, who is in Ex Machina, but did no not lines. have any lines. No lines, right? Um, but like, has more of an impact on the movie than a normal character without lines without does. Lines, she's right. a, she's a mute character. Yes, um, robot. Right, but uh, are they robots? Are they human? <sighs> So no I didn't recognize you know, her at first. I didn't realize she was that the, the girl from. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize it. Um, it's a haircut, mm -hmm. completely different. She plays uh, Lily Chan in Devs, uh, who is the lead character. A, uh, why is every fucking like Asian character in like an American centric uh, film or TV show named Lily? Why like is that a thing? Oh, it's like super a thing. I feel like every time like. I see like an Asian female character in like an American show or movie. It's always a girl named Lily. I didn't know that was a thing. Like the girl from Modern Family is also named Lily. Oh yeah. I didn't come up with uh, any other examples, but like I knew. So I, basically, I, like, what you're saying is you don't watch anything with Asian and Asian people in it. No, not because really. you're a racist. Basically, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the first couple of episodes, her acting kind of bothered me a little bit. Okay. It grew on me. I don't love it. It's it's like I'm not like as infatuated with. Her I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's really a, a about her acting ability. I think it's just the way that they want the characters because Every, everyone is everyone doing is it. very everyone flat. in the show is doing it. Everyone is super. Uh, the flat. guy that plays Jamie is doing the exact same thing, and I thought that character had real potential to be like th maybe the only source of levity in the show. Mm -hmm. He had the potential to be that and they didn't lean into it enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the scene between him and Nick Offerman right. in, on the bench and then they play Frisbee. That was good. I think that's one of the best scenes in the whole that show. That was really good. Um, they don't He's, lean into that side of the character enough. And, and I think that's like something that like, I feel like if Alex Garland made just something that was completely character centric, you know what I mean? Like if he made like 
you know, some kind of like family drama, mm-hmm. you know, like that didn't have any big or profound ideas in it. Like I think that he, his intelligence would just still shine through with the emotional complexity of these characters. Like, Maybe. because, well, I mean, cause when you, you, when you look at the sort of complexity between the relationship between Jamie's character and uh, Nick Offerman's character, Forrest, yeah. um, it's so complex and mm-hmm. weird and awkward and the way that they handle it and how Forrest is To be after. fair, Jamie's connection to literally every character is weird because like even the even with Lily the whole time, he's like doing anything for his ex-girlfriend right. who left him for a Russian spy. So like <laughs> uh, another thing with uh, the guy that played uh, Jamie, Jin Ha is his mm-hmm. name. Uh, he was strictly a theater actor. Yeah, he was so on like Jesus Christ Superstar been, on so TV. So he might have like been trying to overcompensate uh, a, a little bit as far as like not doing the theater acting thing yeah. and being a little bit more reserved. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the things that bothers me a lot uh, as far as like writing is concerned mm-hmm. are just like over overly expository scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's hard like in sci-fi it's hard. There are certain times when it's uh, completely believable and necessary for you. Like to I feel like exposition. Ex Machina does a great job of it. All the scenes of Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason like talking about and debating about the theory of the way things work. But but, but here's why that exposition works in that movie, right? When uh, when Nathan is ex- explaining to Caleb, Nathan being the CEO played by Oscar yeah. Isaac, is explaining to Nathan or explaining to Caleb uh, about the the software that's being being used for Ava, mm-hmm. and he's like talking about wetware and the idea of like a search engine being you know not a map of what people are thinking but how people are thinking. That's like a really fucking a uh, fucking. Caleb doesn't know how any of that actually works. Yeah. He's a really fucking sophisticated programmer, but he still can't fucking keep up with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So a, like he's the stand in for your audience. Yeah. Uh, B it's fucking compelling on its own merit, right? All of that information is compelling on its own merit. It can intrigue you. You're like, Holy yeah. shit. How does that even work? I, I can't, I don't even, my brain can't really wrap around it. Like, I, there was one point in devs where I felt like that. The, the, the lecture scene. I was like, am I supposed to understand what's going on right now? <laughs> but the the problem is that there are scenes within devs in which that exposition is completely unneeded and bad. One of the like the worst written scenes, I think, are, is when you see Jamie and you see Lily interact for the first time. They have their yeah. first. Yeah. And fucking Jamie goes through his entire back. It was like a student. Their entire thing. relationship history. I was really mad. Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching, I was like, this is You expect bad. me to to hang out with my ex-girlfriend who left me for this guy right. that I've, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. And I walked out with my two bags, one <laughs> in each hand. Like, he says some shit like that. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I'm like, why is he saying that? She was there. Yeah, she knows that. She knows they dated and lived together. Right. She knows that about Why you. would, like... You can, you, so can, you can get that across to the audience without saying it. Yeah. Which can, is good writing. Right. Um, so that shit really bothered me. I was just like that. But um, for every scene, I mean, that, that was probably like the worst scene, I think, in the entire show. Mm-hmm. It just really bothered me. Um, that shit is like nails on a chalkboard. Some of the thing. other, like I mentioned the levity thing. I One of the reasons I like Lennon and Stewart so much is because they were the only actual source of levity in the show. Right. They're the only characters with a sense of humor consistently. I would disagree. I would say that there's like sparse moments between various characters, like enough throughout the show where that didn't bother me. It bothered me. 
So uh, I would bring up this scene between um, it's, it was a flashback scene between um, the guy that was in love, the fucking Jamie. So no, no, no. The guy that was in that uh, uh, was in the movie love directed oh, by Gaspar. Oh, oh. No, we gotcha. Uh, his name is um, Carl Glusman. He was, he plays Sergei, the Russian. Okay. He plays the Russian, the Russian okay. boyfriend yeah. at the beginning of the movie who ends up dying. Mm-hmm. Right. When they do the flashback between him and Lily and they're laying in bed, uh, and he like pauses the laptop that's playing a movie. Yeah. Right? And he looks at her and he's like, I fucking love you. Yeah. And they just have like a sweet yeah. little moment. Like it's a good, that's a good scene. Yeah. But like, and it's, and it's not like you get a lot of moments of levity from Sergey and from Lily, you know, you don't get on their you own. You get very few from Lily. Right? And she's in so much of the show. That there is enough levity, like, like, uh, scattered around amongst the characters to where that didn't really bother me throughout the show. The thing that really bothered me was I think that the only really good performances that I, I liked, I, I think Allison pill fucking wrecked it. I didn't really like her. Really? You didn't, so I thought that she, uh, she was really fucking, I good. just didn't, uh, I don't know. Obviously, um, fucking Kaylee Spaney. I think Spaney. Right. I think that's how you say the, it. The she played Linda. She Linden, played the boy, yeah. uh, and, uh, Stephen McKinley, Stewart, uh, who played Stewart? I I really like their relationship. McKinley Henderson, sorry, it it blocks off my app here. I know, I got you. Um, He's a guy like you see him and you're like that guy. I recognize him. Uh, what do you think about um, Kenton's character? So I was gonna. You mean budget James Spader? Yeah, <laughs> budget James Spader. I like it. Okay. Um, I was gonna ask you about that character. So did his lack of physical stature and his advanced age like hurt the character for you there's i mean there was a part of me that was like i feel like i could kick this guy's yeah, ass <laughs> right <laughs> right like you don't think you're that. like wait why how is he doing this right. like like there's some cool scenes with him like the scene when he fights uh the dude in the parking garage and like snaps his neck against the mm-hmm. tire wheel right. it's pretty cool yeah I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause but they seem just like it's like two dads fighting each other. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of weirded out by the casting of that character. I thought he was an interesting character. Uh another thing. Were you surprised that the homeless man was a Russian spy? No, because I knew he was something, and that was the problem. You knew it that was, he was way something. too uh uh, what's the word? Intrusive, like like. Well, he it was like so choreographed that he was gonna be a twist. He was just way too yeah inclusive, kind of. Yeah. Like, he was like this like, dude is around way too much. And why like, is he getting yeah, this much screen? Exactly. Time? It's just and like yeah, mm-hmm. you just knew he was gonna do something. I figured that he was a Russian spy once we figured out that that Sergey was a Russian spy. Once yeah, we I figured out that Sergey was a Russian spy, I was like, oh, that dude on the steps. Episode is definitely one. Russian. Yeah. So you knew the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, um, I didn't. I didn't love the execution. That's. A, I think that's sort of the problem with the show. There's just a lot of things that could have been executed better. They're interesting ideas okay. that could have been executed better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why the Allison Pill thing. I don't know. I just didn't. I just. I bought her character. I really like her. I don't know. I think part of my problem is that, like, if you're such a genius, when somebody says, "What will happen when you cross your arms in one minute?" when the thing shows you not crossing your arms and you don't just try it, mm-hmm. I have less respect for you. Right. Just so, don't cross your arms. So, the, so it probably comes then, like along. Literally that scene like, like almost ruins the show for me. Okay. I'm almost like, this is all stupid because you haven't, you're supposed to be scientists and you haven't 
tested the theory. You're mm-hmm. like getting, you are getting a uh, a biased version of your information because you want it to be a certain way. Right. You are so committed mm-hmm. to the world being deterministic and for Nick Offerman, it not being multiversal mm-hmm. that you are not even trying to disprove it, that, which is insane. Yeah. It's so easy to disprove. And like, that's why like when she throws the gun, when, when Lily throws the gun at the end, it's supposed to be this huge heroic thing and supposed to prove how special she but is. But it's like, why didn't like, you guys try to do that you shit? You all could have done this yeah. shit. What's wrong with all mm-hmm. of you? Like, I very much yeah. have it like that. Exact it hurts same. the whole, that's the problem. It hurts the whole center point concept of the show mm-hmm. because it seems so easy to disprove. Yeah. Or at least like experiment with, yeah. and they're not willing to experiment like that, with The it. scene where Nick Offerman says, if you fold your arms and they don't try it, or when the, all the 10 mm-hmm. programmers are in the room and they're, none of them are characters that we really mm-hmm. know except Lyndon and Stewart. And all of them are just doing exactly what the thing does, right? But they're all, oh my God. And then they just do, and like, just don't wave your arm. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, you see it happen, don't do it. (laughs) It really took me out of it. Yeah, it just, it seems so easy. Like, maybe if there was like some kind of additional factor, like if we had somehow seen like that they weren't able to control it somehow. Like that wasn't, there was, wasn't really any evidence of that. It just seemed like everyone was kind of going along with this idea of determinism for the sake of being right for the sake of the machine working. Yeah. You know? Um, and like that being said, there's things that I thought really worked. Like I thought when Lyndon did his science mumbo jumbo gumbo and he did the multiversal thing and you hear the audio of Jesus, that was like really cool. Yeah. I was like, Oh you hear him speaking Aramaic How and you're like, oh, that's fucking, fucking sick. terrifying is it to like, like see like fucking scenes of like Christ on the cross. Does that, that do kind mean? of thing terrify you? Like if that, if that machine actually existed, right? Be it's, fascinating. It's almost like, like there are certain things that absolutely terrify me. Like, like knowing the existence of like aliens or like I had a dream when I was a little kid, uh, like it was on Christmas Eve that I went downstairs uh, and I saw Santa Claus uh, and it terrified the fuck out of me because I was like, holy shit, he's real. Wow. Okay. And it, it, it scared the crap out of me. It did might you, be like a very personal run? thing. Uh, well, here's the thing. I didn't have enough time to run because I think I just woke up. And, oh, okay. Uh, the dream ended. You know. Bummer. But at least you're not one of those kids in all the Christmas movies that then goes on to blackmail Santa. Those kids are dicks. Who blackmails Santa? I don't know. I feel like I've seen it. I can't think of an exact... Like, it's a kid that's like, see Santa, and then they're like, give me that cookie back. You know what I mean? Now you don't get the cookie, because I saw you. They're fucking little assholes. I can't Does think that actually a... ever happen in a movie? Or did so. you just, like, pitch me a so. movie on accident? No, I'm almost positive that's a thing. Maybe it was a commercial I saw. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I think you just... You just came up with a million dollars. <laughs> um... Uh, so yeah. Anyways, like I, I enjoyed a lot of the, uh, the ideas that are in this movie, but like I said, like when you have something that's completely idea centered and you have something that like determinism, like when you're just like, okay, well, why don't you just not do that thing? Yeah. And it just seems very easy. I think another problem with it that I might have as a hurdle is just like, I just vehemently disagree with the idea of determinism as a whole mm-hmm. f- like philosophy. Mm-hmm. It just seems so wrong to me. And I'm not talking scientifically. I'm talking more like morally. Right. 
and I mean, like I was raised Catholic, so I obviously like was treated, you know, and I went to Catholic school growing up, like free will was banged into my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the original, Oh, that's another thing, dude. When they started doing the Messiah shit, I was like, I was rolling my eyes. Yeah. So heavy handed. Right. With, oh, what are you? And they just start, they did it so much in the last like two or three episodes. Yeah. And they're like, you know what a Messiah would do? And I was like, just stop. Please. There was a lot of Messiah. Please stuff. just stop. This is bad. Yeah, that there bothered was a lot of me. Stuff. But yeah, just like the, like the idea of free will is so important to me. In my stories, especially like so many stories are about how important your choices are. Like Harry Potter is so much about how important the choices that you make are. The prophecy in Harry Potter, like there's a whole chapter devoted <laughs> to Dumbledore <laughs> making Harry understand that the prophecy isn't what matters. It's Harry's decisions that matter, mm. and it's his heart. And what he wants to accomplish that Matt, like that's so many things are about that. The power of choice. And like the theme that like of that is like imprinted in like into the first movie when he goes in uh, with the sorting hat. Right. Yeah. Like, like he chooses to be a the sort, sorting hat is like, like your nature yeah. is that you should be a Slytherin, you know, yes. and fucking. And but he's like, no, Gryffindor, 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 because that shit not matters. Slytherin. Not Slytherin. Right. <laughs> Fucking, because that shit matters. Yes. It's not just yes. like who you are and fucking like what your yes. nature is. It's what you choose to be. So that being said, like by the end of the show, I guess Alex Garland like agrees that free free will and choice matters because the lead of his show makes a quote unquote choice. Mm-hmm. But even then, like then she still dies because Stuart makes, in my opinion, a very out of character choice when he kills them. That was really weird to me. When he drops the elevator, he turns off the electromagnet thing. And it doesn't make sense. It's weird. I, I don't agree. know why he... Like, if Allison Pill did it, totally would have made sense. But him doing it was weird. And then, like... Yeah, like, that all happened. Like, So it's like... Is he saying that he thinks there's free, that there's there's choice in free will? Or is it, like, even in, an, in a loop-around way, there's still determinism? And then they do, like, the most semantic-y catch-all when Lyndon solves the problem by using the multiversal theory and everyone gets really excited and then Nick Offerman gets really mad and he's like no you can't use the multiverse because that's not determinism and then Lyndon says um, if everything that can happen does happen what's more deterministic than that and it's like the most semantic-y way of saying they're right that it like I was like that's so stupid <laughs> like I, technically yes I guess that's true but mm-hmm. fuck that it's dumb I don't know yeah. Part of me thinks that I'm just like not scientifically smart enough to wrap yeah. my head around the ideas. And so I just think of them in like a moral way. And I'm like, this just seems dumb and wrong. <laughs> were you were you bothered at all uh, about how the machine looked physically? No. No? It cool. Me? I was like... Wait, you mean the central piece or the screen? The central piece. Yeah, no. I mean, another, none, none of it. The, the screen me, just looked like a screen. That was cool. Like, it, that's what it should look like. Well, when and it was I, fuzzy, I thought it was kind of cool. It, and I thought it was very cool. I thought yeah. that the screen part was very cool. But, like, the centerpiece that they kept showing, like, slow motion shots mm-hmm, of and shit mm-hmm. like that, I was, I kept thinking about Ex Machina and being like, fucking Ava's brain, mm-hmm. you know, when he Sick shows looking. it, looks so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, all the wetware and the different, like, sort of, like, it just looks like a, a, an entire cosmos inside this glass mm-hmm. brain. It's so fucking cool looking. And then, like, I look at this thing and I'm like... It's it, wires. It looks like something from Power Rangers. <laughs> Zordon is in it there? It looks like fucking something from Power Rangers. But here's the thing. I watched uh, a video on quantum computers, and that's mm-hmm. literally what they look yeah. like. So, 
Fair enough, Alex. So what you're saying is that Power Rangers did a great job of their oh, technology. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's actually <laughs> that's that is an unintended <laughs> conclusion that I didn't reach. Props to Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> um, go, go, Power Rangers. I I feel bad. Like I feel like I'm shitting on it a lot. I didn't dislike devs. I like I'm glad I watched so, it. I'm okay, glad so it exists. It's a seven point eight on IMDb. Mm. You probably wouldn't put it that high, right? I'd probably put it closer to a seven. Right. Like, it's something that's recommendable. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to be... If you were an Alex Garland fan, you're not going to be pissed off to see this. Yeah. Uh, it has some really cool uh, ideas in it. Like, I think that there's some scenes... There's some great... I love the scene, like, where she fakes the panic attack and goes out on the window. I thought that really scene was really good. Very tense. Yeah, yeah very tense scene. Um, mm. Like I mentioned, I thought the whole episode... Uh, the, the penultimate episode was really good, um, where... Nick Offerman and Jamie are having the conversation while uh, Lily and Allison Pill's character are having the conversation. I thought that was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, there's other ones to, about in and about the show that there's like scenes that stand out, dude. I like even if you don't want to watch the entire series, fucking like track down just the intros for the each intros episode. are awesome. The because intros are awesome. They could be like short films. They're like cold episodes. opens basically, but they're, they're yeah. not comedies. Yeah. Um. They're just like such fucking cool combinations of images and and music and it just mm-hmm. completely puts you in the right mood I will say, for each episode. Alex Garland does an incredible job of using like camera work and and technology to uh like thematically reveal the technology of the show. Like when he starts incorporating multiple timelines into the shots. Yes. Beautifully cool idea. Yeah. Where there's like multiple different, like you see Lyndon falling a bunch of different times. Mm-hmm. That scene kind of like that scene was all, was simultaneously really good and really bad. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I was like, fuck, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Like, she's telling him that he has to get out on the ledge to prove he believes in the idea, mm-hmm. and he's okay with it because even if he falls. He lives in other multiverse timelines. Dude, we're not. But you could just be right and all of your timelines continues living. Instead, you kill like half of them. Seems weird. Dude, I didn't even realize this. and I, You just helped me realize it. So Alex Garland wanted to make devs both good and bad simultaneously because that is quantum mechanics, dude. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Did you think the reveal of the title Deus was good? I actually did kind of like it. Is that bad? I liked it. It was one of those things where like, I was like he made a joke okay. about the joke in the show. Like Nick Offerman literally says it's a bit of an inside joke. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's silly. Like <laughs> it's silly. I don't know if it's good silly or bad silly, but it's silly. Um, so there, there was a couple things that like I so I did like that. I, I agree with you that the Messiah stuff that was just like they just keep fucking repeating yeah. Messiah over and over again. It's so annoying. Um, so that kind of bothered me it was a little yeah like you're like you said before heavy-handed uh the the fact that devs is actually deus i didn't that didn't bother me uh that and i also kind of like the idea that uh fucking um that lily is eve like essentially in this uh, lily is actually there's a cool trivia thing lilith was the first woman in in the jewish bible or whatever it's called the torah or whatever right lilith was the first woman created for adam and he was like yo she won't listen to me get rid of her. And that's why Lily, the character is like, she's able to revolt against determinism. She can make the choice because Lilith was free willed and free spirit and wouldn't obey Adam. 
then God destroyed her and made Eve. Mm. So Lily's actually Fair more enough. Lilith Fair than enough. Eve. Yeah, and it also like ties into Ex Machina for specific reasons. Amaya a. ties into Annihilation. <clears throat> the, the fort in Annihilation is called Fort Amaya. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, but obviously Deus Ex Machina is a very popular yes. uh, Latin phrase used in Greek yes. uh, in Greek tragedies and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, so Deus Ex Machina, as well as uh, Ava's character, he originally he wanted to call her Eve. But Makes he sense. thought it was too on the, on the nose, which I guess maybe he didn't have that sort of instincts in this movie yeah Yeah, he he was like he just stopped caring about that (laughs) he's like yeah whatever i'm going in (laughs) uh i do have to put i mentioned this when i was watching it and i just have to say forrest's motivations in this movie are the exact same as kingpin's motivations in spider-man in the spider-verse and that's a good thing (laughs) because that's a dope-ass movie (laughs) he lost his wife and child and he wants them back so badly that he is willing to reach into alternate realities to pull them out. The only difference, he very specifically doesn't want one from another universe. Whereas Kingpin in that movie, any universe will do. Right. <laughs> do you like, do you vibe with the, so the, the final like thing that happens, the, the living in the machine thing. Simulation. The simulation, living in the simulation. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? I mean, there's a big part of me that would just be like, no, fuck that. I don't want to live in a sim- simulation. Just kill me. Well, like, it's like the idea... I feel like I would like, go nuts living in a simulation. Do you feel like the show presents it as a good thing? Do you think the show is trying to make any conclusion at all about it? Um, I feel like there's some implication that um, that it is a good thing. But at least uh, that it is, it is the best version of this thing, you know, because okay. they specifically talk about how like indifferent multiverses that the, the simulation that's, can essentially. Well, be that's held. another example of Alex Garland's filmmaking genius being really cool was yeah. the quick cutting between the different universes, but they're having the same exact conversation. It's the mm-hmm. same shot. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, why would you be okay with this? Like, especially if outside in the real world. Allison Pill is like begging the senator lady to keep them funded so that they can keep running this machine mm-hmm. so that Nick Offerman can live in a simulation with his daughter. Right. And but if, someone could just unplug the machine and you cease to exist. Right. And also like you're sort of robbing this very special character who's special because she's able yeah. to make her own decisions and have her own free will and stuff. You're robbing her of her agency of her of the thing will. that makes her special. Yeah. Supposedly special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe the show's too long. Yeah? Think so? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Just missing something. Maybe a few things. I don't know. I mean, I did enjoy watching it. Mm -hmm. And again, absolutely gorgeous to watch. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I had issues with it fucking great music it's yeah, not on as spotify always yet. it's as not always on spotify yet so that's unfortunate name the names the uh composers. jeff burrow and uh ben salisbury i believe and they work you mean my, my boys also. my boys sal steak <laughs> uh so yeah ben salisbury 
uh, and Jeff Burrow, and that's Jeff with a G, so you know he comes from money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also worked with the insects. I'm not sure if like a bug. The insects is I'm guessing a band. Um, Bob Locke and Tim Norfolk, aka the insects. Hmm. So and they've been uh, composing for a while, but it's it's very much like if you if you like the music uh, that's in Ex Machina and or Annihilation, you're definitely yeah. gonna fucking dig this. Yeah, the soundtrack. And that's and that's an, another huge reason why the intros are so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, the music is like on point in those intros. Mm-hmm. A lot of really cool set design in this movie too. Like the the rings around the trees in the forest, the whole yeah. room that the machine is in, mm-hmm. that whole electromagnetic floating cube and mm-hmm. very cool. Oh, I'll bring this up, this idea. Do you believe that this movie would have been better as an anime? I have no idea, honestly. I, I can't even process that. Okay, so... Like, I know you've been watching My Hero. Yeah, so... so like, you got anime on the brain. I do have anime on the brain. Um, but like... I think I think I started watching before I started watching My Hero. And w- as soon as started I started watching Debs? Yes. Well, you watched most of Debs a couple weeks ago when I was wrong yeah. about the release date. So yeah. you definitely did. Uh-huh. Uh but when I saw the fucking 50-foot statue of the little girl making the terrifying weird looking statue. face. Weird very, statue. Very, very weird. Dude. Weird. I was like Like I wouldn't trust working for that dude. But if you saw that in an anime, would you second guess it? No. No, not you at all. would accept it in an yeah. anime like in a second. You'd yeah. be like, oh, this is like the least weird thing. But then it would get extra weird because there'd be creepy characters that like their nose starts bleeding when they walk under the statue and that would gross me out. Oh yeah, that would like, be weird. That, wouldn't that like would that. be strange. That would be bad. Yeah. Huh. So but I think I'm gonna cool. go with no on the anime. Alex Garland make an anime. <laughs> that's that's Alex Garland really... probably could make a cool anime. I would say that. Pretty fun. Probably make a cool anime. Uh do you have anything else that you want to add? Uh, no, not really. Good shot. Just saw it on your on your yeah. iPad there. They did the exact same shot twice, the Halo shot. They did oh. it with Nick Offerman early, and they did it with yeah. Lily late. It was cool. Um, we're actually, we got a cool sort of announcement uh, for our next couple weeks of shows. We're going to start a new series of type of show. We're going to call it The Films Of. Uh, so next week, I'm super hype. We're going to talk about the films of John Carney, who made the films once- Sing Street and Begin Again. Uh, all three are musicals. Um, two of them take place in Ireland. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Are all three available for streaming? You got to rent them. Son of a bitch. Yeah, you got to rent all three of them. I rented Sing Street twice in one week. Why didn't you buy it so that I could just watch Sing Street I again? probably will buy Sing Street, honestly. I've never bought a movie on Amazon, but spoiler alert for the show. Sing Street is now one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we're going to do some other uh, sort of versions of this type of show. We're going to do a Tarantino one, maybe do some on some actors, some stuff like that. It'll be cool. Until then, find Chris on Instagram and on the, his website, chrismichaelstott.com. Chris Michaelson on Instagram. I'm Davinwell25 on Twitter and Instagram. The show is The Chris and Kyle Show on Instagram, on YouTube, on all the podcasting platforms, on Facebook, TCAX Pod on Twitter. Uh, until next time, we out. We out. Stay weird. Stay weird.